We used to camp and hike in a pretty secluded wooded area along the Texas coast. It was family land, so I'm not going to name the specific area, but I will say it's between Victoria and Houston. The land itself is a couple hundred acres, and my grandfather built a house, barn, and a corral for some horses that he had way back when. This happened in the mid-80s, 1986 to be precise. Now we've, my family, we stayed there many times over the years. Holidays, summers, weekend getaways. My older brother and I would leave my mom and dad and sister at the house and we'd hike out a couple of miles and camp. Just build a fire, pitch our tents, set up coke cans and shoot them with our BB guns. You know, the usual stuff. Now, the woods or the land itself wasn't super creepy. Though I was really easily able to scare myself when I was younger. No, the land was fine. It was the gigantic cornfield that my family leased to a local farmer. That was scary. My brother and I would cut through it to save time when we went to our favorite camping spot. It's like everything would stop when you walked between those rows of corn. The wind would die down, bugs would stop chirping, sound was weirdly muffled, and you always felt like you were being watched, like even in broad daylight. My mom would always tell us to walk around the field. She always felt the cornfield was off, as she called it. This was her family's land, and she told us she used to hear weird sounds coming from the cornfield when she was younger. My dad, of course, didn't believe it. It's just corn, he'd tell us. One night, my brother and I went to camp. Mom says no, Dad says yes, please go. I think we were extra rowdy that day, kind of bouncing off the walls. Figured Dad wanted some peace from his two sons. So we packed up and went. It was well before dark, mid-afternoon. It was our usual thing. We had it down. I set up the fire pit, he set up the tent, and we split the rest of the chores. So our spot was about a half mile from the cornfield. But from where we'd camp, we couldn't even see it. Out of sight, out of mind. So night comes around and we have the fire going and we're making s'mores and talking about trying to get a dual Christmas gift. This new Nintendo game system that we kept hearing about at school. The Super Mario guy was making waves and we wanted in. As we're talking about how cool it was going to be to upgrade over our old Atari, we hear this scream. And man... It seemed like time just stopped. And it happens again, and it's coming from the direction of the cornfield. I look at my brother, and he looks like he's seen a ghost. I say I want to leave, he nods, and we pick up our BB guns, kick the fire out, and begin jogging home. Luckily, the moon was bright because we forgot the flashlights in our hurry. Now, to get home, we'd have to go around the cornfield. No two ways about it. I say go around because there was no way in hell we were going to go through. So the screams have stopped, but the night is just so quiet. I can't tell you how weird it is to hear absolutely nothing in nature. The silence frightened me almost as much as the screams. As we're almost about to cut the left in front of the cornfield to get back on the main road, the dirt road, my brother grabs my arm and points at the cornfield. Now again, we were 11 and 13, and obviously we're not drinking or doing drugs, unless you count the massive sugar high from the s'mores. Standing just in the cornfield, like just at the line, we can see people looking at us. Maybe a dozen. We couldn't really make out what they were wearing, though my brother swears it was old-timey pioneer clothing. They looked hazy in the moonlight, like you could almost see through them. 
Now let me say that again. There were people staring at us as we ran by. Needless to say, we bolted and made it back to the house, screaming our heads off. If Dad wanted some peace and quiet, he didn't get it that night. Long story short, Mom believed us, Dad didn't, and he said if we didn't stop lying, we'd be banned from ever camping out there again. Now, people have asked us if the screams could have been a mountain lion. Ain't no mountain lions in our neck of the woods. And the phantoms we saw in the cornfield? Well, we've tried to rationalize it as best we can, and we can't. We saw what we saw. Now, that was a long time ago, but my brother and I still talk about it. It happened. It was surreal and frightening, but looking back, I'm glad I experienced it with my older brother. Love your show. I listen as I drive my route, and you guys make the workday pass much faster. I have other stories. I'll send more. Submitted by Shane, Houston, Texas. Salutation, all you nerds out in the hinterlands. Man, it is it already October? Now, as we've said for the past six seasons, it's your boys Rock and Max. We're going to be your guides as we explore all things supernatural here at Nightmares and Daydreams, y'all. We're back, gang, after our usual summer break. Yeah, summer, we lasted a little bit longer, but we had to, man. Hey, we like long summers. Yep. Hey, Max, seven seasons, dude. Seven seasons. Lucky number seven. So, gang, before we get into the paranormal shenanigans, we have a couple of announcements to make. The first one, as always, is please continue to share the pod with your circle, with your loved ones, with your frenemies, and grant us the boon of the sacred and mythical five-star review. It really helps. Take the time, pound out a few kind words for your boys. Yeah, for you little nightmares out there who haven't reviewed our pod (laughs) on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcatcher you find us on, Please go out and do it. It means so much to us. And the second and more important thing, way more important thing, honestly, is at the part of our show, my wife, the great and powerful Teresa Joy. We love her. We know you do, too. As y'all know from the last episode of last season, we moved from Texas to Arizona. And in that time, our bard landed a new and amazing job she couldn't say no to. It's literally her dream job, involving music, violin, creativity, technology, basically the works. All the stuff she does for our show. Big difference is, she's actually getting paid for this new job. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yes sir. So gang, long story short, while her handiwork is still going to be all over the pod, the reins have been handed over to us. Lord help us. Uh Uh-oh. Watch out, Mm -hmm. (laughs) y'all. We'll miss you, Teresa. Congrats on your new job, though. Yeah, she loves it, man. Playing a ton of violin amidst computer machines. It's, yeah, it's her thing. Get better than that. What can we say? That's her jam. All right, Maxie. So, season seven, October. Let's get into it, shall we? Thought you'd never ask. So let's start like we do. What'd you think about that first story? Dude, I'm telling you. You know, I went camping a few times when I was a kid, and Mm -hmm. that would have scared the bejesus out of me, I will say. We got scared a few times, but we never saw any semi-translucent pioneers out in the cornfield. Yep, 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 yep. That show is sad because that makes the camping trip way more memorable, right? Like (laughs) the worst times, everybody make the best stories. (laughs) Now, Max, the question is this, man. Would you still camp in the same spot if you were those kids after seeing that? Maybe not the exact same spot. I mean, hey, 
We're not talking about, you know, shoeless Joe Jackson coming out Field of Dreams style. <laughs> We're talking yeah, Kevin Costner about right there. like straight up children of the corn, right? I mean, not to be too literal oh, or punny or whatever, but... Maxi, Maxi, dude. All of us 80s kids know Children of the Corn. I mean, the movie is horribly cheesy, but it still scared the bejesus out of me, like you (laughs) said earlier when we were kids. We all know this, right? Like, Max, you and I, we talk about how we're keyboard warriors. Gang, that hasn't changed since I've moved to AZ. We're still the same. You know, I'm (laughs) outdoorsy and that I like beers on patios. Our people know this right there. Exactly. Yeah. You know, we're not out there... uh, Asking ghosts to drag us to hell. Hunting for dog, man. That ain't gonna happen, (laughs) y'all. You know, Max, we had land back in the day, and we knew it pretty well. And, you know, it was a couple hundred acres. And again, we knew it. Like, my brothers, my dad, and I, we hunted there quite, quite often. But at night, man, it was still creepy as hell. Like, dude, night changes the complexion of damn near everything, especially nature. That's what I was gonna say. I mean, everything's different at night. You know, you pile a laundry on the chair becomes a creepy monster or person or whatever. Yeah, it turns into an intruder you. that you try to go after with the bat. You know, that happens <laughs> exactly. so, Got to have the Louisville slugger. We, as people, you know, as humans, we're so reliant on light and all this kind of stuff because we can't see where the damn in the dark. It's true. And uh, they say that our senses get sharper. I'm not sure that I believe that. Like, as it gets darker, I mean, man. It's a different thing. I mean, thing. the thing is, humans, like you said, are dependent on light. It's kind of like if you took smell away from a dog, they'd be totally lost. Yeah, they can see. In some ways, yeah. But that's not how they see, quote unquote, you know what I'm saying? In some ways. So, dude, speaking of haunted woods, which, gang, if y'all don't know from the title, that's what this episode's about. Uh, would you do the entire Appalachian Trail, like that hike? That's a long ways. Yeah. I It's 2,500 miles. I'll be honest. And I think, you know, I've seen pictures. I've seen videos. You know, Scott Jurek, who's a famous trail runner, he ran the whole thing in some ridiculously short amount of time. Which Yeah, like, didn't he, didn't he uh, write Born to Run? Like, about no, the whole barefoot that's, running thing? that's a different person. But he did write a book, and I can't remember what okay. it was called, but... But uh, Born to Run was the one that started the minimalist shoe fad uh, you yeah. know, back in the early 2000s. We were into it. Yeah, I got to do it. But yeah, I would love to not necessarily run the Appalachian Trail, but hike, probably not the whole thing, you know, not the whole 2,000 miles or whatever it is. I would love to be out there, but I don't think I'd want to be out there alone. You know, get me a crew. Yeah, dude, I would only spend a go few with nights, a big group. And if I see any corn children... We can just call it a day or a night. I don't think you're going to see any corn children on the well, Appalachian Trail. You might see a bunch of hillbillies, yeah, hill folk, mentally ill runners, you know, doing that. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it takes like a year, from what I read, like a year, like eight months to a year to finish the entire hike. And then they run it in like three weeks or something like that. Like three weeks, Max is not going to take you anywhere. I'm just going to tell you. Like you're going to be like 18 miles from where you started right there because that is some... No, I'm talking about the people that run it for the fastest known time or whatever. Oh, well, they can get it in three weeks? Dude, that's crazy. I don't remember what the time was. I I mean, I'm probably, that's probably longer than that, but it was something pretty short, like maybe it was 30 days or something. You might be confusing hiking with driving. It might take three weeks to drive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, dude, but uh, all jokes aside, missing 411. Like, there's a lot of those cases that go through that part 
of the country, man. Like it's just, you know, you're in that heavily wooded area. People go off the trail. And from what I've read, I've read a lot of the lore about folks basically just going off the main trail to have a restroom break or something. Like these people just go off the trail to have a restroom break or whatnot, and they're never seen again. Exactly. And then when you get into that, that's when you start getting into the other things like portals and Fae and like, how do these people get gone, right? Like, how do they go missing? And that's really interesting and scary as hell. Yeah, absolutely. Who knows what happened to them? It could be something totally mundane, like a serial killer, if that could be considered mundane. Uh-huh. Or they just got lost, well, fell off a cliff. Compared to fairy abductions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Non-supernatural mundane. maybe is a better way to put it. but And not as exciting, I'm sorry. Like, but yeah, uh, you, you know, know, it could be something totally ordinary. It's probably not the right word either, but who knows? Mothman, fairies, dog people. I don't know. They're dog men. There ain't no lady dog men. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> called dog ladies, my man. I feel like there could definitely be more mundane reasons for people believing, but like Fox Mulder, we want to believe, and I think there's some wacky stuff going on in the woods, for sure. Speaking of, man, are you ready for another story, Max? I am. Lead up, baby. This one takes place in my new state, but I would like you to tell it. This incident occurred when I went to school in Arizona. A group of my friends wanted to take me out exploring. Now, I'm born and raised in the Bay Area of California. City life, in other words. I've never been camping. I mean, the one time I saw snow was on mountaintops about 50 miles from my house. Anyway, here we are, six of us, heading to the Magallan Rim from Tempe, Arizona. We'd left Tempe at 5 a.m., This wasn't a day trip. These guys had packed tents, food, water, everything you could think of for our excursion. I brought my 45 with enough ammo for a just-in-case situation. About five hours later, we arrive, and I'll be honest, I'm in awe. The smells of fresh air and view of mountains was amazing. Two of my buddies were setting up camp. I decided to look at our surroundings One of the guys told me, don't wander off too far, and I agreed. I had my 45 and just started walking through the woods. I must have walked about a good half hour. I saw a few critters, nothing to write home about. I got to a stream. I sat on a rock and was about to feel the water when in the corner of my eye, something flashed. I saw a black flash, like something was there, but when I looked up, It was gone. No noise. I was like, hmm, guess I better get back. Must be tired from the drive up. So I got back to the camp and relaxed for a few minutes. Then about midnight, we all decided to go to the rim. We grabbed canteens and took off. One of the guys mentioned something about the Magian beast. Here we go, I thought. Another guy asked, what's that? Guy says it's a Bigfoot type creature. We laughed, and I said, well, I'm protected. One guy said that my 45 wasn't going to be strong enough to stop it. I said, well, if he, that is the Bigfoot, was charging, it'll make him stop. We all laughed and continued our trek. About three hours later, we arrive. Everyone's tired from the hike, including myself. 
I need to relieve myself, so I find some trees to handle my business. A pebble about two inches round hits my knee. My first thought is, these guys are playing with me. I laughed it off, zipped up, walked back to the group. I picked up a few pebbles on the way back to the group and started pegging the guys. You want to play games? I said. They all looked at me confused. I said, while I was urinating, someone threw a pebble at my leg. But they were all about 50 feet from me. For them to reach me, they'd have to chuck it pretty good. But the pebble that hit me wasn't thrown hard. And no one else was near me. Everyone was at the rim. So my second thought was, what the heck? I suggested we go back to camp because I was getting hungry. That's when all hell broke loose. As soon as everyone got up, a roar came from the forest to the right. It was a lion roar from like a zoo. It was one of those guttural, deep T-Rex roars from Jurassic Park. I pulled my 45 and began walking a bit faster. A rock, measuring about the size of a basketball, flew a foot away from my buddy's head. And then four to five branches about six feet long and about two inches thick were thrown at us from behind a bluff. All the guys started running. I was behind and I let off about five rounds and took off running as well. We got to camp and started packing our stuff. They asked me, what was I shooting at? I said, the air to scare off anything? They must have packed the whole camp in 15 minutes. As we were piling into the Jeep, I looked back and standing in the forest line was an eight foot tall, black colored Bigfoot. It just stood there watching the guys pile into the Jeep like scared ants. I stood by the back door watching this beast. It just stood there. Half my brain wanted to shoot. The other half wanted to talk to it. I felt as if I was in a trance. I was just fixated on it. I was about 30 feet away from it, and I saw it as if it was just it and I. My friends were yelling, but I heard faint muffling in the background. I remember wanting to say something to it like, hey, I'm sorry for shooting and scaring you. My trance was broken when one of my friends grabbed me and pushed me into the Jeep. I heard him say, there's the Bigfoot, let's go. I looked back out the rear window and it was gone. This was in 1992. I never went back to the Magellan Rim. I never went back into the woods. Even now in my late 40s, I know what I saw. It was a man, a tall, hairy man with gentle eyes submitted by G.A. on Lon Strickler's Phantoms and Monsters. A tall, hairy man with gentle eyes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. A tall, hairy man with gentle eyes that just chucked a basketball-sized boulder at your head. Mogion Monster is playing for keeps, okay? Like that, is, <laughs> that is a straight Maybe kill shot. Maybe he's just passing the ball, you know? Exactly. He's like, these kids are sporty. They're down from the local college yeah. in Tempe. They can, they can run back to their camp three hours away, so. Dude, I mean, what is it about AZ? I mean, there's dog men in Tempe... The Mogollon Monster all around up north, Skinwalkers in Flagstaff. Had a lot but, of terrain types, you know? Yeah, yeah. And the Diné people, the 
Navajo, there are plenty of reservations up north. Oh, that's true. It's a pretty interesting place. And then we get into Jerome as well, to the haunted Jerome Grand. Yeah, that's a total different thing. It's very ghosty, man. I talked to a uh, bartender there, of course, and he was telling me some pretty good stories. Like, he won't close the bar at night by himself now. He's had too many weird encounters. Wow. We'll have to do some of those into an episode if he shared any with you. Yeah, yeah, he did. I'm going to put those in the back pocket right there. We'll save them for later, people. Max, this is like shifting gears again, but we are huge nerds. Do you have high hopes for this new Lord of the Rings, Amazon Rings of Power thing? You know what? Uh, We'll just have to wait and see. From what we've seen so far, it looks okay, but Wheel of Time looked okay before it started as well. I don't know. It's going to suck. I don't have a lot of faith in uh, Amazon. I have low hopes, and uh, Wheel of Time was horrible. This is going to be horrible as well. Like this is, this is very much akin to fan fiction from what it looks like, right? Galadriel is this badass warrior. I'll watch it. At least the first episode, but dude, it's looking pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't remember Galadriel being a warrior in any of the even in the Silmarillion <laughs> or anything like that. But exactly. which isn't to say there's not stories in which that was true. I definitely yeah. haven't read all like the untold tales and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Uh lost tales of Tolkien and whatever Christopher Tolkien put out. So there may be stuff there may be canon that it kind of applies to. You know, there were times, I'm sure, when she wasn't a fancy lady. Oh, for sure, when she was younger. And, and she was out there being rowdy. I've read that this goes beyond that as far as, you know, it doesn't match the lore. Yeah. Which, hey, it's fine, man, but don't say this is Lord of the Rings. I think now they're saying inspired by, which, hey, at least it gives you a little bit more of a thing. So, House of the Dragon, did you watch that? Because I have not. I watched one episode, and I, which I hadn't even intended to do that, but Terry had it on and... Just dragged you back in, man. Not dragged at all, no. In. I've heard I'm, good things about it. I mean, it. honestly, I watched the one episode, and I'm not very interested. I, I wasn't really interested in watching any more George R. R. Martin. Well, not George R. R. Martin. That's not fair, but any... Song of Fire and Ice, or whatever it's called. Yeah, any more adventures in Westeros? You were like, yeah, that world is just not interesting to me. So, so is it because of that, or is it because the writers of the past, like the last two seasons of Game of Thrones, messed it up for you? Is it trust issues that you have? I think it's a little of both. I think it was originally the show. The last two seasons of the show were really bad, and it kind of burned me out on it, but. Now when I think about the world, I'm just not... Like, honestly, if George R. R. Martin theoretically came out with the rest of the books, maybe if they had super great acclaim from all sides, I might check them out. But I'm just not that interested. I don't really care if he finishes them, if I'm being honest. But It's just been so long know. since I've Maybe read. I'm lying to myself, and if they came out, I'd have to read them. I don't know. You're you're totally like flexing right now on Martin right there. You know the moment it'd come out, you would get an audio book. would be first in line right there. <laughs> All right, Max. So uh, let's keep on moving, shall we? Let's get into the next story. This occurred sometime in the fall of 2006. I grew up in a rural part of Ohio. 
My house had fairly dense woods located directly behind it. As a child, I had a passion for exploring. I especially loved exploring those woods. It was my favorite place to be. Prior to the incident, I had wandered through those woods many times, always with my mother's permission. There was one tree in particular that I frequently enjoyed to climb. Usually about to the halfway mark so I could perch myself on one of the heavier branches and just relax as I'd listen to the peaceful sounds of nature. Climbing that tree for the very first time was quite an accomplishment. From that position, I could partially even see the back of my house. On that day, after a fair amount of exploring, I carefully scaled my favorite tree. I seated myself on a sturdy branch and took in the view. Naturally, being late in October, the sun inevitably began to set within a few minutes. I always felt a little saddened to see the darkness approaching. The woods were like my own little sanctuary. I could entertain myself there for hours. When darkness began to fall, however, my mother would stand at the edge of the woods and call my name until I obediently returned home so not to be stranded out there after dark. Now after watching the sun set until I could no longer see it, I began my descent down the tree. I was nearly at the bottom when I heard my mother's familiar voice calling my name. I thought nothing of it at first, as this routine had occurred plenty of times before. Then I realized something strange as my feet touched the ground. My mother's voice was coming from behind me, deeper in the woods, rather than towards the entrance where she always stood when she called me home. My mom had never entered those woods before, at least not with me. I was eager to find her and show her all of my favorite spots before it grew too dark. That's when I realized something was off. How could she have gone into the woods ahead of me? Certainly I could have missed her, but as I said, she never entered those woods. She continued calling my name, but there was something strange about it. She sounded absolutely frantic, almost angry. Fearing that I was in trouble for some currently unknown reason, I froze in place. As her voice drew closer, I squinted my eyes to see if I could locate her and determine exactly how angry or upset she appeared to be. However, I didn't see anyone or anything unusual. Suddenly, I heard her voice calling my name from the direction of my house, sounding much calmer. Seconds later, from somewhere within the woods yet again, it wasn't an echo. I wasn't imagining things. I was literally hearing her beckoning me from the edge of our backyard as well as ahead of me. My legs suddenly turned to jelly. I couldn't quite comprehend what was going on. Come here right now. The voice that I originally believed to be her screamed from just ahead. I realized that whoever or whatever was mimicking my mother was drawing closer. I didn't question which voice was actually my mother's as there was something about the way it sounded that unnerved me. Terrified of what I would see if I stood there much longer, I turned around and ran towards the exit of the woods as quickly as my legs could possibly carry me. It was amazing that I didn't trip over anything in my haste. Even though my house wasn't very far away from where I had been standing, those woods have never seemed larger to me than they did in that moment. From behind me, my mother's voice continued to call my name, now sounding desperate. Panic set in as my actual mother finally came into view waiting patiently as she usually did until I returned home. In my frightened state, I absolutely refused to look back. As soon as I was out of the woods and in the backyard next to my mother, the other voice was suddenly gone. Rather than fading away, it seemed to stop the very moment I stepped foot into my backyard. I must have looked as frightened as I felt because my mother asked me what was wrong. Slowly but surely, my panic subsided 
I didn't say anything until we were safely inside the house with our doors locked. I asked my mother if she had entered the woods. Appearing confused by the question, she told me that of course she hadn't. With that confirmation, I hesitantly asked her if she had heard anyone else calling my name and yelling. The answer to that question was also no. Although I was still very much shaken up, I managed to explain everything that happened as clearly and rationally as possible. My mother was surprisingly nonchalant about the whole situation, explaining that I must have imagined it, that I was spending too much time out there by myself. The incident in those woods have stayed with me to this day. I can still hear that voice as clear as a bell. Whoever or whatever it was calling my name sounded exactly like my mother, but I knew it wasn't her. Not only was she waiting for me outside, but the voice also sounded strange in a way that I still can't fully explain. I didn't go back into the woods until I was 17 years old, and even then, I never hung out for very long. I've carefully gone over every possible explanation, but none of them seem entirely plausible. It certainly wasn't my mother playing a prank. There was no way she could have pulled it off, not to mention the fact that she's never been one to play pranks. I also highly doubt that it was anyone else because as I stated before, we lived in a rural area. The closest neighbor was at least a mile away and I wasn't personally acquainted with any of them. How could they have known my name and where to find me? We've since moved out of that house, but my mother and I occasionally discuss the incident. She still claims that she never heard or saw anything unusual out there. I know it probably shouldn't, but what happened in those woods continues to bother me. I spent many hours out there prior to that day and never had anything out of the ordinary occur. The best explanation I have at this point is a doppelganger or possibly a demon, but I'm unsure. If anyone has a possible explanation as to what might have happened, I'd love to hear it. Thank you for reading. Submitted by A.W. on Lawn Strickler's Phantoms and Monsters. So, Rod, what do you think? Mm. What did she encounter? I think it was Faye, but maybe it was demonic, elementals, doppelgangers. I don't know. I mean, the list, if you're just throwing like legendary stuff out there is pretty damn endless you know i wouldn't say yeah for sure especially since she didn't yeah, see i wouldn't it. say i mean demonic right off the bat i mean that doesn't strike me as that i would say like Faye. Faye definitely kind of comes to mind right there doppelgangers you know that's yeah according to the doppelganger lore that's not what they do you know as opposed to the witcher more of a as opposed to the thing. witcher show you know yeah. Doppel dopplers as they call them you know get in there and they can be pretty evil but According to the lore, your doppelganger or your fetch is kind of an omen. If you see one gang, it's usually not a good thing. So I'm thinking it had to be some sort of forest spirit, some sort of fae, you know, as the lore goes. And for thousands of years, man, they go after kids. Yeah. Got to replace that. I would lean toward that right there. And it's funny, though, Max, too. Like her mom wasn't even tripping, you know, like it was my kid. And they're like, yo, pops, I just heard someone calling my name from behind that sounded just like you. I'm like, oh, dude, I got to go investigate that, you know, because that's your kid. Yeah. I wonder I just if think, mom knew something. You know, it's kind of like when you've talked about your dad before and, you know, there was the story. I don't know if, I don't remember if you've told the story on the pod, but folks, there was a story Rock told me once where there was a, a glass kind of rolling oh, yeah. in circles. <laughs> 
in an unnatural way, like an impossible manner on the counter. And Rock's dad just grabs it and sets it down like, you know, I'm having none of this nonsense from you ghosts. Yeah, whatever. like his, his, his belief was that if you believed in that, in whatever phenomenon was kind of occurring, that you somehow powered it. Yeah. So his, so I, his line of thinking was like, yo, I'm not giving you any energy from me. So maybe that's a little different than what I'm talking about. But I just think there's people for whom supernatural is just not a thing. Like, it yeah, doesn't it occur to doesn't them. Enter. You know, her mom probably thought, well, maybe it was my voice echoing off of the trees or a cliff or something. She just, and you know, some people just, also, their mind doesn't go there and can't conceive of the possibility of extra And then there's also just, you know, the parent might not be wanting to scare the kid, right? Well, that's true too. You know, like she, she wants her quite kid. scared, yeah. She wants her kid to have a good childhood to go, yo, this is your playground out here in the back. I don't want to ruin that for you. So there could have been that as well. But dude, personally, I'm doing that. My kid tells me that which our listeners know Maxie and I don't have kids. Thankfully, there's enough of them brats in the yeah. world. Joking. <laughs> good for, good for the kids that we don't have them also. Exactly. We have plenty of nephews and nieces. But no, like were that me, it would involve a lot more investigation, trying to figure stuff out, man, because that's scary, you know, and you got to listen to your kids. And that's the other thing, right? Oftentimes, yeah. kids come up with something. They say something. I saw something, witness something. And especially back in the day, at least when we were growing up in the 80s, like your parents didn't believe you on a lot of stuff. For sure. I saw this like, no, you saw nothing. <laughs> well, and you know, that's it was the, your imagination. That's the lesson we try to teach kids nowadays, right? That you'll be believed if you tell stories. And I think that's an important lesson, you know, and I think it mm. is important to believe kids and you at know, least yeah. investigate. You know, maybe it is nothing, but. Maybe it's something. You always got to do it. And you got to trust your sixth sense. Like she listened to her sixth sense. Gang, we we always say that. Like that sixth sense is there for a reason. Something feels wrong. You got to peace out. Like don't, well, it's going to be okay. No, listen to it. And this kid, A.W. from the previous story, listened to her sixth sense, got out of there, was relieved, knew something was wrong. The thing about kids too, man, like they are more open to these experiences, these hauntings, whatever, because it hasn't been kind of, you know, drilled out of, them. out of them, yeah. you know, by the grind of daily life. Well, as it were, you don't see other animals adults, you know? <laughs> questioning their instincts. You know, the, the bird sitting on the ground isn't thinking, yeah, there's a shadow that flew over, but it's probably not a hawk. You know, I'll just eat some more <laughs> seed. Yeah. No joke, man. He who hesitates is lost, man. Exactly. We uh, talked about it before the previous story. Some of the new uh, Lord of the Rings, House of the Dragon. I tell you what's amazing. And I know our nerds out in the hinterlands are going to love this, man. Like the Sandman on Netflix. Dude. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Almost flawless. And if if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. If you're into supernatural stuff at all, I think you've almost got to love it, right? I mean, and just aesthetically even... Even subject matter aside, it's just gorgeous. So, yeah, the casting is almost perfect, right? I'm Dude, it's pretty spot on. And I read the comics back in the day. I'm a big comic book nerd. Came out in 89, I think. Yeah. And uh, it was definitely not a kid's comic. It was on DC's Vertigo line, which was their, yeah. quote, adult line. 
Rest but, in peace, Vertigo. Yeah, totally. But so that's what amazing, Fables man. was in too. That's one of my favorite comic series. What's that? Which one? Fables. Oh, that Fables. Was Vertigo yeah. as well. Fables, Constantine, all that stuff, and of course, Sandman was to me the flagship. It was so good, dude. And for them to finally do this and give it the treatment that it deserves and have Neil Gaiman involved so much. Like, I'm like baffled that Netflix hasn't immediately greenlit a second season. And Gaiman came out and said something about it. Like, he's like, hey, please stream this as much as you can because it's so expensive to make and they might not do a second season. It's been number one for weeks. And I don't know, hopefully by the time this gets dropped, It'll be otherwise, and it'll the season two will be greenlit. Wheel of Time, for whatever reason, you know, kudos to those actors, but they already have three seasons greenlit based on eight episodes that surely haven't been watched as many millions of minutes as Sandman has. Eight horrible episodes, yes. Like, uh, <laughs> So yeah, like it it just goes to show you, dude. Like, listen, we all know that if San if Netflix doesn't pick up the Sandman, one of the other streaming giants is gonna yeah, somebody I will just for sure. hope it's yeah. not Prime because those dudes cannot do it right at this point. Inspired by Sandman. Oh my god. <laughs> like I think I feel like HBO Max would do well well with it. Uh but Hulu maybe, hey. Who knows? I just yeah, hope Sandman continues know. with it. Rather I hope Netflix continues with it. I just can't imagine why they, you know, because I guess the costs associated with the production are just one of the issues. But why would you agree to spend all the money in the first place if you weren't willing to assume those costs for a ver- It's been about as successful as you can ever have hoped. I just don't, I don't know what they might have been thinking if weeks and weeks of being the yeah. best viewed show on tv is not good enough well that's why we do podcasts instead of running a multi-billion dollar corporation like netflix exactly yeah we know nothing about money who knows who the heck knows but hey it was good it's out there and even if for some strange reason we only get one season we are hashtag blessed because it's awesome i'm waiting for witcher season three that's going to be fun and with The Witcher, you're never like super impressed. You're like, oh, that was the best thing ever. You're like, you know, it wasn't bad. It's still not as good as the game story-wise, but it's pretty good, you know? Sometimes solid's all you can ask for, you know? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. There's worse like things that can happen. life, everybody. <laughs> all right, Maxie, we ready for another story, man? Absolutely. I got a good one here. Go for it, bud. As the United States Department of Agriculture, Forest Service, states... The Alyunque National Forest is the only tropical rainforest in the national forest system. At nearly 29,000 acres, it is one of the smallest in size, yet one of the most biologically diverse of the national forests, hosting hundreds of animal and plant species, some of which are only found here. Not only that, Alyunque has a long history of paranormal activity, Indeed, I have numerous cases on file of strange creatures seen in the forest. Norka was a fascinating lady who lived in a spacious and atmospheric house high in El Yunque rainforest and who I met in 2004. She had a sensational story to tell. 
It was dusk on a stiflingly hot weekday night in August 1975. The atmosphere, as day began to surrender to nightfall, was as normal and tranquil as it had ever been. It wasn't long, however, before normality and tranquility gave way to something hideous. As Norka drove carefully and slowly along the twisting, climbing road, in a car rather than in one of her trusty motorbikes, I should stress, something suddenly surfaced from the huge, dense trees which stood proud and tall like gigantic green curtains and which dominated each side of the road. Doing barely 20 miles an hour to begin with, Norka was easily able to slow down as a curious beast loomed into view. Norka, looking into her camera, said only about 20 feet in front of her was the strangest, most terrifying animal it had ever been her misfortune to encounter. For all intents and purposes, it looked very much like a bat. Except, that is, for one astonishing thing. The abomination was around four to five feet in height. Now, not surprisingly, Norka could scarcely believe her eyes as the monster shuffled slowly across the road, its muscular legs taking slow but deliberate strides across the hot tarmac. Her eyes transfixed on the beast, Norka could see that its body was dark brown in color. Two large wings were folded tight against its back. The clawed fingers on its hands that drooped in curious limp fashion from its bony wrists were of a distinct white-yellow hue. Of a near-identical color were two enormous fangs that protruded from its gaping, almost slack-jawed mouth. Most frightening of all, to Norka were the eyes of the creature. Focused intently on Norka herself, they were almost blazing like red-hot coals. After what seemed like a torturous amount of time, but which was maybe no more than 20 or so seconds, the creature unfurled its wings. At this point, Norka could see just how big those mighty membranous appendages were, somewhere in the combined region of 12 to 15 feet. Norka said the wings flapped in a fast, furious, and loud fashion, which deeply shocked her. In mere moments, the beast took to the skies vertically and was quickly lost from sight. The chupacabra, Bigfoot-type creatures, large black cats, black-eyed aliens, and even large lizards of an unidentified nature have also been seen in El Yunque rainforest. From Mysterious Universe. gang. First off, I hope we're pronouncing El Yunque correctly. Yeah. Counting on our Puerto Rican listeners to set us straight and max it and give us a holler. Yeah. Tell us if we're wrong. We often are. Yes, that, that is true. All right, man. Like that story. That story is horrifying only because, and tell me if I'm wrong, I might be a freak about this gang, but bats scare me. Like little bats, man. Like when they yeah. zoom up in their face, they got those monster faces. You know what I'm saying? Like they are... I know they eat insects. Well, and they're so erratic in their flight. I think that's part of it as well, you know. Little bats, you know, they're up, they're down, they're all over the place. You don't know which way to duck or turn. Exactly. 
You got to put all your long, luscious hair up in a hat, otherwise they're going to get in there and make a <laughs> they were That's the myth, right? That <laughs> they get in your hair and... That's it. Gang, all of us 80s kids, and I'm sure 70s and 90s too, like if that was the rumor, like, yo, bats will swoop down, get in your hair, and then you're screwed. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Then you get rabies and die. So listen, Norca, and again, the Alunca rainforest, like it's true, man. Like that place is magical and it's ancient. And like UFOs have been spotted going out of there. There's rumors that there's a government facility in there. There are people. Some That's people, where Chupacabras came from, right? Yeah. Some people think that the Chupacabras was created there. I mean, it's all right there. So for this Norca woman to see a giant witcher monster, bringing up the witcher again, there's a monster called a catacan and it's a giant bat like that just going across, looking at her, and then just fly straight up. Yeah. I mean, she's lucky she wasn't on a motorcycle or something because, you know, she might have been din din. Well, it would have gotten in her hair, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it would have let her go, like, once she cut her <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Scissors. But only once she was, like, 100 feet up, yeah. Yeah, no, dude. Okay, we got to cut to the chase, everybody, because I think I know, I just had a thought. This thing might have been Batsquatch, Maxie. <laughs> hey, maybe... You know, okay, and I don't always want to be this guy, but like okay. there are here it comes. Of course, her description doesn't quite fit, but there are really giant bats in what South Asia or Southeast Dude, I Asia. Know what I you're can't remember. About. It's like those flying foxes, but I feel like this was yeah. a little bit different than that. So First yeah, of all, those are, foxes are brown. These things are what white, yellow, and with a twelve to fifteen foot wingspan. I mean, no, 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 no. just the. Just the fangs and the claws were white, yellow. The the bat itself was brown. Oh, I was thought. it? Yeah. Oh, so, man. but I will say that flying foxes, or what if is that what they are, or is that a different thing? Anyways, it, it honestly might be the a ones, one, but that's a huge the, one too. The, the really huge ones in India or wherever it is, they were in Temple of Doom, right? Mm-hmm. So it must be them. The, but they are, they just eat nectar or whatever they're vegetarians so i don't think they'd have giant fangs so i don't think this is this was one of those but now this was like a witcher monster this came through from a portal in el oh, yeah. show from us the, that everybody our puerto rican listeners if you're out there you have stories from the el Yunque rainforest please holler at your boys man that would be amazing and scary that that would be a great episode actually just yep stories so Max, from puerto rico as I'm looking at my notes right here, uh, time's getting close, dude. Are you excited about Berlin? You guys remember from last season, Maxi, uh, he's in the Berlin Marathon. Uh, are you ramping up your miles Ooh. right now? Yeah, I'm getting ready to stop ramp- ramping up my miles. I have a 22-mile run on Saturday, and then that'll be it. I'll start decreasing miles after ramping, that. So. so there's a science to it right there. Max, I wonder, does that science include late night tacos, Lone Star, and chicken biscuit sandwiches the next day, like within 12 hours? <laughs> See, that's the sport I need. I, I need to figure out what sport that is, paintball or whatever it is. No, and that sport that's was, what, gang, I was in Texas a couple of weeks ago. Max was kind enough to host me in his palatial estate with four libraries. Got <laughs> late, and we went to uh, Tyson's Tacos. Tyson's place, Tacos, man. yeah. Cheap tacos. And then and we went to uh, Bird Bird Biscuit the next day. Bird Bird Biscuit. There you go. You know those places. Hey, guys, Bird Bird Biscuit, Tyson's Tacos, you hear us? We want a free biscuit or a taco. Hey, we did talk about you once on the show. So. Just once. Or half price Lone Star. You asked me off mic 
if they had Lone Star here where I was at, because that's what I usually drank in Austin. And yeah. they do not. It is not here. That's a shame. Uh, I mean, it's probably good. What's the national beer of Arizona? Heck, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, Native Arizonans out there, hit us up and let us know. Like, there's a lot of craft beer now here, man. There's a ton. There's oh, that's cool. Of, it's not like old school. There was like six beer brands. Now there's like 106. Hey, that sounds good. Choice is good, everybody. Beer freedom. So the reason you came down, though, was for your 30th class reunion. Any uh, stories to relate or? 30, yes, gang. We're that old. And Maxie's older than me. So you think I'm old? Maxie's like four months older than me. <laughs> it was good. No, we we were laughing, me and some friends, because, you know, you're there at the place that they get the shindig going. And you see all these people walking in and we're like, who the hell are all these old people? And I was like, oh, man, that's <laughs> Did you recognize most most of the people? Yeah, though? yeah, of, of course, you know, but it, it After was After a funny. second, at least. Yeah. Yep. It was good. And uh, I'll never do that again. Word. I've actually never gone to a class reunion. I don't know why. Just... Your, your wife, my friend. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, fun. It was fun and fun and done. Absolutely. All right, Maxie. What do you think, bud? I think we are done. Party people, thanks for hanging out with us. And thanks for sharing your valuable time with you boys, hanging out, listening as we talk about ghost goblins and all that stuff. Season seven is off to a great start, I think. I think you're right. Party people out in the hinterlands, please share the pot, as we said earlier, with whomever you think will like what we're doing. We asked you earlier, and again, we wouldn't ask so much. It wasn't so damn important. And please keep sending us your stories. That is just as important. Yes, this season's Listener's Tales is shaping up to be the best ever. I would agree with you right there, Maxie. Also, find us on the socials. Get out there and interact with your boys on all of them. Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, the works. Holler at us. We will holler back. We definitely will. Also... If you just happen to feel like supporting the pod, head on over to Patreon or buymeacoffee.com for those one-time donations. Mm-hmm. It's all appreciated. Very much, gang. It helps us keep the lights on here. And we would like to give a shout-out to Teresa Joy, my wife, the former bard of our show, who is still going to be super-duper helpful. If you guys want some amazing music, violin, synth beats, all that, head over to her website at TeresaJoyMusic.com. And finally, find us at our own damn website at nightmarespodcast.net. Scroll down, see the wolves, submit your stories. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as always, be good to each other and sweet dreams. <laughs>